From NPR News in New York, this is the Bryant Park Project. Overlooking historic Bryant Park in Midtown Manhattan, live from the NPR studios, this is the Bryant Park Project from NPR News. News, information, the final hour. I'm Allison Stewart. It is Friday, July 25th, 2008. All right, so this is the last time that we're going to be able to greet you this way. And, you know, over the course of developing this show, one of the challenges of the greeting was to try to make it conversational, but also to think radio, try to think about sound clips that would work, that would be informative, help tell a story. And then we just gave up on that and went for the stuff we liked. The greatest hits of the BPP soundboard. Who's crazy, me or Ann Kirby? Butler. They never get old, except for the day when um, we fired every sound clip except the right one. Remember this? This is the part of the show when we take a break. We take a look at the most viewed, most emailed, most blogged, most most stories from the web. Critical Mass News. We bring it to you every day. It's the most. Where's our soundtrack, please? For the music, the most. I, I, I'm not starting until I hear the music. <laughs> I've got my arms crossed. So, oh, boy. man, that, it is raining cats yeah, and dogs I, out there, huh? Yeah. I mean, it's just coming down. I, I wish down. I could sing it. It's not, it's not all that melodic. This isn't as that's exciting as it. the most no, normally is. No, yeah. no, not quite the ramble music. So, Ali, I, I went no bacon on my on my egg and cheese sandwich this morning. It was a yeah. compromise, you know, because the folks here, you guys are a bad influence on my health. <laughs> uh, in light of recent changes oh, boy. In the <laughs> The entire soundboard. Running through the this catalog. <laughs> so, We're not having a mortgage meltdown. We're yeah. having a sound meltdown. Uh, here comes Matt. Let's just play all the sound we have. <laughs> that was it. Let's that was the most theme. The that was the most the theme. Time is always right. The, the, That's John Kerry. Right. My John issue here, Kerry. Allison, is that you guys order these sandwiches the right and they're full of bacon. Me. Yes. And our whole office smells like bacon. And it makes me want to eat bacon. This oh. is live radio, folks. You could do it like me and have turkey bacon. Should we just continue right and go forward? Let's go for it. Let's go All right. forward. Um, uh, Dan, since you're, um, let's, you're first. All right. <gasps> With the music. Oh, yeah. See, you say Dan. They all came Catherine. back together right there at the last second. They all back together. Go, Dan. <laughs> Mom, Dad, thanks for having me. Uh, <laughs> Love Pashman vamping on the bacon. can always count on him. Coming up on the show, what the Bryant Park Project sound would be like a year from now, 10 years from now, 50 years from now. Stick around for news from the future. Also, one of our favorite performances, Jason Mraz, a fresh spanking new version of the most. Uh, Hopefully it doesn't go down like that one did. Uh, As well as the final stage of grief meets the best song in the world today, Acceptance, coming up. But first, Mark Garrison with some of today's news headlines. This is NPR. Thank you, Allison. Democratic presidential candidate Barack Obama spoke before around 200,000 in Berlin yesterday. He was steps from where the Berlin Wall once divided east and west. Walls are built with bricks and mortar. Speeches are made of metaphors and moments. The walls between the countries with the most and those with the least cannot stand. The walls between races and tribes, natives and immigrants, Christians and Muslims and Jews cannot stand. These now are the walls we must tear down. 
Obama travels to France today. His Republican rival, John McCain, used that to tweak him on the media coverage. The throng of adoring fans awaits Senator Obama in Paris. And that's just the American press. <laughs> McCain kept a sense of humor as he campaigned in Ohio yesterday. He stopped in a local German restaurant. Secretary of State Condoleezza Rice is on the road, too, in a speech today in Australia. She said Pakistan needs to do more about Taliban militants hiding there. There's been a spike in attacks on Afghan territory elsewhere in Southeast Asia. A series of explosions in Bangalore, India. The string of blasts was deadly and synchronized. In Texas, they're cleaning up after Hurricane Dolly. A full 15 counties are federal disaster areas. The wind and rain did around $750 million damage. Finally, and we do mean finally, New York's Central Park is not far from Bryant Park. There is a new attraction there today. For the first time, visitors can take off from Central Park in a balloon. The new ride marks the 150th anniversary of the park opening to the public. It's quite a view, and if you get high enough, please look south for Bryant Park. That is your news from the Bryant Park Project. As we float in the sky, let's send it back to Allison Stewart. This is NPR. Thank you, Mark Garrison. All right, big news. We got canceled. It's a shame, too, because we had some really cool plans for the future. Some series, the coming presidential election. We were just going to cover the heck out of it. Well, what if we had not been canceled? What would have happened on the Bryant Park Project in the future? Fortunately, BPP producer Ian Chalag has the ability to bend time and space. That's what got us on his resume. He went to an alternate future and brought his tape recorder along. He's back here in our studio to bring us the best of the future of the BPP. Hey, Allie. Hey. Um, yeah, let's just let's go ahead and get started. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll just go a year into the future, which is cool. I think we'll get to see who won that, that presidential election. Uh, dial it in. Uh, one year into the future. Here we go. That, of course, is sound from Hands Across a Rock, held yesterday in the country where everything is now fine and there is nothing to worry about. Standing in front of a giant mission accomplished again banner outside the Baghdad Mall, President Cheney said partnerships with the Friends Surgency were to thank. Today, Mr. Cheney is scheduled to visit Disneyland Fallujah. I'm so glad they added Friends Surgency to the dictionary yeah, last year. Yeah, That's no, that, was a big, that was a big pickup. Um, let's let's go ahead. We'll go ten years ahead now. Um, if we could bring up the sound from July twenty fifth, twenty eighteen, please. Oh man, this song is a classic. The tune that convinced Osama bin Laden to give up terrorism. Man, this one never gets old, does it? Anyway, you're listening to the Pepsi Presents the Pepsi Park Pepsi, presented by Pepsi. I'm Dan Pashman. In just a minute, we'll return to our continuing coverage of Bacon Crisis 2018. But first, I am so thirsty. I think it's been a good three minutes since my last Pepsi. Ah, oh, the news never tasted so good. Oh, man. Pashman got the hosting job. That's great. I know. I always knew he was going yeah. for my chair. Yeah. Um, Get let's... rid of Burbank first, and then <laughs> I was next. Let's uh, let's uh, go. Let's go a little more farther in the future. Uh, Fifty years into the future, um, let's listen to the newscast from July twenty fifth, twenty fifty eight. This is NPR. It's the future, so we're all totally used to robots. The robot marriage issue heated up today. Robopublicans and Decepticrats are debating the issue on the Senate floor. <laughs> 
While that debate goes on, Americans are divided. If we start letting robots get married, the next thing you know, skyscrapers will be marrying bubblegum. Skyscrapers and bubblegum. I don't even understand the physics of that. Where would they live? That is the news for now. Remember, more news headlines in easy-to-swallow capsule form at your nearest Google. Try one with Pepsi. This is NPR. Hmm. Surprising. <gasps> wow. Yeah. Uh, let's... Uh, Coke let's... takes it on the chin in the future. Yeah, really. <laughs> uh, let's, uh, let's go ahead. Let's go way into the future this time. Let's, if we could pull a little bit from the year 3000, see, see what's going on there. Overlooking the desiccated carcasses of humanity, live from NPR Studios, this is the Pepsi Presents Pepsi Park Pepsi. News, information, obedience. I am your alien overlord. Silence chatters, you insolent Venusian Darnock. It's July 25th, the year 3000, and it is a hot one out there. Hard enough for you, chatters? Silence, or you will be incinerated. And we'll be talking about the big wedding yesterday. The Empire State Building and Watermelon Bubblicious. Will the nuptials endure? I will warn you one more time. You shall be destroyed on the spot. And a taste test. Which country has the most delicious humans? I know my pick. Spain. Spain. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get today's headlines in just a minute. But first. They should have kept us on the air. Uh, I don't know. That last one almost made me glad to be canceled. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Ian Chalag, a fine production job. I'm so glad you finally got to use that skill set, the time yeah. bending. Mm-hmm. We've been trying to figure out a way. Yeah, it's it, it's actually, it's been helpful so far in the job search. <laughs> I, I have it in skills above Microsoft Word. Ian Chalag, it's a pleasure. Thank like, you. Likewise. Live music performance became a signature of our show, and every once in a while we met someone who was game for something on the fly. When Jason Mraz stopped by our studios to talk about his new album, We Sing, We Dance, We Steal Things, he not only played the single, which of course they always do, when we asked him to perform an artist's choice, any song he wanted, he picked up his guitar and he was ready to go. He picked his song, The Boy Is Gone. Here's Jason Mraz, live in the BPP studios. When it finally gets too crowded And what will happen to the origins of sound After all the sounds have sounded mm. Well I hope I never have to see that day But by God I know it's headed our way 
So I better be happy now, 'cause the boy's going home. The boy's gone home. And what becomes of a day for those who rage against it? Who will sum up the phrase for all left standing round in it? Well, I suppose we'll all make our judgmental calls. We will march to the fall, so we better be happy now, 'cause we'll all go home. We'll all go home. Be so happy with the way you are, and just be happy that you made it this far, and go on be happy now. Please be happy now, because you see that this, this is something else. Life is something else. You see that this. This is a, it's something else. It's alright. This is all. This is yeah. This is something else. Oh, this is all. This is yeah. Well, this is something else. Well, I tried to live my life. And I'll try to live it so well. When it's over, is it heaven or is it hell? Would I better be happy now? How? 'Cause no one can tell me. See, nobody knows. I'm gonna be happy with the way that I am. Gonna be happy with all that I stand for. I'm gonna be happy now, 'cause the boy's going home. The boy's gone home. Yeah, the boy's going home. Yeah, the boy. That was Jason Raz performing "The Boy Is Gone" at the BPP Studios. Coming up on this final Bryant Park project, the last stage of grief acceptance, our style. BPP family member, movie critic Dan Holloway, one more time. And what happens when Condoleezza Rice meets Jill Sobule? You'll find out on the Bryant Park Project from NPR News.
Welcome back to the Bryant Park Project from NPR News. We are always online at npr.org. And do you know in this room what was the most popular segment on this show? The research shows. I'm telling tales out of school. I have no idea. It's the most. So let's hit it. Time for the most emailed, most viewed, and most popular stories in and around the web. Last time around, Trisha. Hello, hello. I have one of the most emailed stories at USA Today. The headline is Northern Lights Mystery Exposed. So the uh, researchers from NASA have released findings, a study actually conducted by uh, the University of California in Los Angeles. Uh, They've been studying, you know, trying to figure out what makes the aurora borealis and the aurora australis occur. Uh, They think it's now happening. There are these little uh, geomagnetic storms that happen about a third of the way to the moon. So these little flare-ups happen. Apparently, this is the explanation. Every so often, the Earth's magnetic field lines are stretched like rubber bands by solar energy. They snap and are thrown back to Earth to reconnect, and that creates a little short-circuit effect. And the stored-up energy is what powers the flaring lights. And it happens every couple of days. And uh, there is an opposing theory. Um, and it really just has a, a questions the distance from the Earth to the moon in which this happens. So some scientists think it happens about a sixth of the way to the moon. This UCLA team thinks it happens about a third of the way to the moon. TBD. TBD. Ian Schlag, you have production value with your most. Yes, I do. I, I noticed this morning that Mark Garrison and I, at emailing at about 4.30 in the morning, were kind of thinking on the same uh, on the same theme it's tropical uh, although my most popular from the Charleston Daily Mail my hometown paper the headline reads drinking tiki torch fluid is not advised I'm so glad somebody finally <laughs> words to live by it's shocking Got so, that out. so those of you out there thinking about it <laughs> it's not advised uh, apparently in West Virginia there's been a few incidents this year of people being at a party, they see it. It, you know, it has that sort of amber color that uh, beer and apple juice have. They pick it up, take a swig, and the next thing you know, they're in the emergency room. No one in West Virginia has died. I'm very happy to say there have been similar tragedies elsewhere. Um, also, a lot of problems with uh, people eating the uh, glow-in-the-dark stuff. There, 143 related injuries this year. Raver-related injuries? Yes. But let's, let's, let's keep it uh, Hawaiian, Mark. Yeah, I mean, how typically, and since we spend so many of our Fridays mashing poi, drinking Mai Tais, listening to Don Ho, uh, I, but I digress. I have a most viewed at Yahoo News, BBC, most places, including uh, actually the Honolulu Advertiser. A judge, <laughs> he's <laughs> slapping down parents for the name they gave to their daughter. The young lady's name is Tallulah Does the Hula from Hawaii. That is a sentence. There's a, you know, there's clauses. Wait, her there's, name is Tallulah Does the Hula? Her full name is Tallulah does the hula from Hawaii. So I don't, I don't know if, if a prepositional phrase counts as a last. I, I, I don't know. But uh, So this is in New Zealand where judges have the power to rename children. So the judges said you can't do it. We're, we're giving her a new name, which is being kept secret to protect her privacy as it should. So, you know, listeners out there. My there parents is, are real jerks. Oh, yeah. I'm maybe <laughs> like that. But I, I think there may be the possibility that her new name could be Tallulah. Please help Brian Park staffers find gainful, fulfilling employment soon in parentheses. You can use Got the punctuation of the name. In Hawaii. In Hawaii. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Our executive producer is here today, the boss taking part in the most. (laughs) Allie, I got a major fight in the minor league. It's uh, most from Yahoo News as well. Fifteen players, both managers ejected from a game, and a fan went to the hospital uh, after a ten-minute benches-clearing brawl, class A minor league game between uh, the farm teams from the Cincinnati Reds and the Chicago Cubs. Here's how it started. Top of the first, a Peoria Cubs player gets hit. 
The Cubs pitcher, Julio Castillo, gets mad, so he starts throwing at batters one after another. The third time he brushes one back, um, the managers come out. They start pushing. Bench is clear. It's a mess. Now, there are two interesting details. One, the ejections were reversed basically because after an hour delay, they realized they needed the remaining pitchers to take the field if they were going to be able to um, finish the game. That was no good. But the best part, you remember I said a fan went to the hospital. Why? Because Julio Castillo, that pitcher, at some point he he threw a ball at the dugout of the other team, missed, and hit a fan who went to the hospital, which just goes to show now you know why Julio Castillo is in the minor league. Because if you can't hit the dugout, (laughs) (laughs) you got some trouble. Seriously. Caitlin Kenny. All right. I have one of the most emailed from the Washington Post. This most is a special tribute to our senior producer and resident germaphobe, Matt Martinez. <laughs> it is, uh, the story is entitled, A Germ Zapper's Guide to Clean. It's all about the hot zones, the mothership of germs, the kitchen sponge, laundry, your mattress, your pillow, the entranceway, your shoes, and handheld technology. There's a lot of gross facts in here. I'm only going to share a few with you guys. I'll take it easy. Uh, They say 75% of sponges tested in U.S. homes are heavily contaminated, and one drop from a sponge equals millions of bacteria. Yeah. You know, I'd just like to say, in defense of bacteria, uh, as we learned, we did a little piece on raw milk here on this show. There's a lot of good bacteria out there. Let's make sure we're, we're portraying both sides of this issue, Caitlin. There are, we're but we're talking, objectivity. About, we're talking about the gross stuff. We're talking about uh, E. coli, you know, matter you pick up on your shoes. They talk a lot about dirty mattresses. This is kind of crazy. Mattresses have been found to double their weight after 10 years from collected oh. debris. Yeah. So they say you should seal up your uh, mattress in one of those little bags and wash it frequently. They also talk about germs at the office. And the keyboard, which Matt frequently wipes down with his Purell, is the germiest spot in the office. (laughs) Yes. So wash your hands a lot. Yes. That's lovely. Yeah. Dan. <laughs> All right. Moving on. I got a most uh, emailed here from the Seattle Post Intelligencer. Full text, an epic Bill Gates email rant. You know, they cover Gates a lot. They're covering him in his post-Microsoft uh, era. And they found this email that he sent in 2003. Uh, and it's pretty awesome. It's like he's so angry at this thing in Windows that isn't working, and he does what any normal Windows user or computer user would do, but he's the boss. He actually goes somewhere, but he writes this three-page screed. I'm quite disappointed at how Windows usability has been going backwards. I decided to download Movie Maker. He goes on and on. What an absolute mess. The lack of attention to usability represented by these experiences blows my mind. And he details what a painful process it was and how it kept the computers freezing. The website was asking stupid questions. Basically, he's just like us, except when he sends one of these emails, someone actually reads it and responds. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And he's got a bazillion dollars. Right. Exactly. Oh, bazillion oh, dollars that also. Yeah. You guys, thanks for the most. Thanks, Sally. Thanks.
One of the great things about working on the Bryant Park project was the collection of all the friends of the show, smart, savvy contributors who helped us understand the world around us. We had Jim Vandehei of Politico.com every Monday to talk about the election, the rejected New Yorker cartoon guy, Matthew Diffie, Jared Sandberg, walked us through office issues. He's with the Wall Street Journal. Lizzie Goodman of Blender and Andy Langer of Esquire steered us away from some scary music. Big thanks to all of them. And the man we turn to every week, the man we stalked at the Sundance Film Festival and even talked into guest hosting a couple of days, Daniel Holloway, our movie critic, joins us live in the studio. So good to see you. Good to see you. Thank you for coming in I this morning. I thought you were going to leave me off that list. No. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's Dan. Um, let's get right to it. Step Brothers, this Will Ferrell movie teaming up with uh, John C. Riley. They were in Talladega Nights together. That was yes. when they were actually kind of, well, they, they're funniest, maybe. Yeah, maybe they were peaking then. Uh, I don't know. Uh, my question about this movie is it's about two sort of grown-up guys who are, find out they hate each other and then they love each other. They're half-brothers. Um, does he? Does Will Ferrell show up for this movie? Because he owes me money from Semi-Pro. He, he owes, sort of phoned it in. He owes a lot of people money from Semi-Pro. Right? So does he actually, does the funny, full-fledged Ferrell show up for this film? There are two kinds of Ferrell. Okay. There is Semi-Pro, Blades of Glory, uh B-list Farrell, and then there's Adam McKay Farrell, and Adam McKay was the uh, co-writer and director of Talladega Nights, and also the greatest movie of the 21st century, Anchorman, The Legend of Ron Burgundy. Uh, scotch, scotch, scotch. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, McKay is back, it paired with Farrell for this film, and he brings it. All he right. brings it. You're going to get your money's worth out of this one. I like hearing it. All right, so these, so John C. Riley and Will Ferrell are stepbrothers. They've finally decided that they like each other. They're living at home with their parents, even though they're in their early 40s. Um, here they are asking their, their mom and dad about uh, bunk beds. This is a bad time. What the hell's going on? Okay, Mom, we think it would be very prudent. Can we turn our beds into bunk beds? Yes. Why are you guys so sweaty? All right, we've already figured out how to do this. The beds match up perfectly. And here's the thing. It'll give us so much extra space in our room to do activities. Please say yes. You don't need permission from us to build bunk beds. You're adults. You can do what you want. We can? No? Yes. Yes. Sweet. You can make them. I knew it. Okay, you guys are not going to regret this. We're going to get so much more activities done. This is the funnest night ever. <laughs> uh, is there a plot? Um... <laughs> Sort of. What is it? The plot is that they don't like each other, and then they like each other, and then they don't like each other again, <laughs> and then in the end they like each other. All right, but it's funny. It is funny, yeah. That uh, uh, What you heard in there, uh, that's kind of representative of a, lot, of a lot of the interplay between Farrell and Riley. They're basically playing the same character, too stupid to live, um, <laughs> but they're soulmates. Uh, Richard Jenkins and Mary Steenberg. Steenburgen play their parents mm -hmm. and uh, Jenkins was just in a really good movie earlier this year called The Visitor right and, very serious movie yeah very serious movie and Mary Steenburgen uh, haven't seen her in a while but you know friends with Larry David and uh, shows she's a pretty good comedic actress they give her some feral-esque lines and watching her you know tell body jokes is pretty funny all right X-Files I want to believe what is it they want to believe in who wants to believe what Aliens. aliens? I, I think they want to believe that you can revive a uh, six years dead <laughs> franchise. I wondered about that. It, 
uh, X Files not even on the radar. No, anymore, totally off really? the radar. I don't think Gillian Anderson has worked in about twenty five years. Uh, <laughs> David Duchovny is doing that uh, uh, the Californication show. Uh, this uh, film is uh, it's an odd time to be bringing back this film, but geek stuff is really you know geek stuff rules right now, and the X Files was at the forefront of that. So I. Uh, think uh, Chris Carter, the show's Mm -hmm. creator and the director here, is gambling that uh, old X-Files fans are going to remember just how much they love the show and pour back into the theaters for it. And how sort of involved they were with Mulder and Scully, these two agents. Let's listen to a clip from X-Files I Want to Believe. Tell me what you see. I see a face. I see eyes staring out, like through dirty glass. It's out there. I know it. Scully, what does he mean like through dirty glass? Mulder. What? Stop. Okay, just feel free to give up like everybody else. This is not my job anymore, Mulder. No, that's right, that's right. You're 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 just like my, my booking agent now, right? You're right. This is my fault. What do you mean it's your fault? For getting you involved in this. No, no. It was the right thing to do, Scully. So Scully's gone off to be a doctor. Mulder's kind of fallen off the face of the earth. Mulder, when we find him, it's probably one of the best parts of the movie. He's David Duchovny in a beard is always funny. <laughs> and uh, you, you see him in a beard, and he's that guy who clips newspaper articles and plasters his walls with them. Uh, they're no longer FBI agents. I, uh, as you said, uh, Scully is a uh, doctor, and Mulder sits in his room. And, the uh, fellow with the Scottish brogue is uh, uh, Billy, Billy Connolly, who was the second teacher on Head of the Class. I see. Yeah. Uh, also in this movie, Amanda Peet and Exhibit, the guy from Pimp My Ride. Wow. So is it aliens? Is it a higher power? Is it what, what's, what are they looking for? Well, you know, Scully and Mulder are cooling their heels, and then a, uh, uh, an FBI agent goes missing, and the only person who can find her is a psychic. So guess who gets called? Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. All right. Man on Wire. This is, ever since I found out you were going to do this film, I've seen it everywhere now. Uh, It's about a French acrobat named Philippe Petit who seemed like he had a death wish when he strung a 200-foot wire between the Twin Towers of the World Trade Center, 100 stories up. Let's listen to him talk about stepping off the roof of the Trade Center. I had to make a decision of shifting my weight from one foot anchored to the building, to the foot anchored on the wire. This is probably, I don't know, probably the end of my life to step on that wire. And on the other hand, something that I could not resist, and I didn't make any effort to resist, called me upon that cable. Now, that was from 1974 is when he actually did this. But yep. they speak to him now. Yeah. Ex- explain to me how this, the structure of the documentary. Um, it's a mix of uh, interviews with Petit and also his sort of co-conspirators, his girlfriend, his best friend at the time, uh, another gentleman that he had worked with several times on other projects, and then two random Americans that he hooked up with who helped him, who were, were very interesting because no one involved seemed to trust them. We have interviews with them today. Uh, we have a lot of archival footage of uh, Petit, uh, his other walks, um, shots of the World Trade Center being built, and um, also a lot of footage of the walk itself, uh, which comes at the end of the movie. And then we get reenactments. And reenactments can be a tricky thing in a doc like this. And these are actually some of the better ones that I've seen before. The reenactments are all done 
in black and white. They're mostly silent. There's voiceover happening. Uh, a lot of shadow is used. Faces are obscured, and you you get the sense. Um, you, you you get a, sort of a, a rudimentary grasp of what the scene must have looked like, but without having to feel like you're they're trying to draw you into a straight recreation. Is it difficult as a New Yorker to watch? The Towers? Yeah. Or what What emotion did you have? Or if you maybe didn't, maybe you just watched it as a film critic. What's interesting about this, uh, uh, about watching The Towers in this movie, is um, you're watching them being built, and they're not, they weren't the most beautiful buildings right in the world. The time. Yeah. But they were this completely audacious sort of thing, and, and Petit understood that better than almost anyone else in the world. He, he was obsessed with them from the time that he saw a uh, an artist rendering of them in a French newspaper. And the joy that these things give him, it gives you, uh, you appreciate that mm -hmm. on, uh, on a very high level. And it it's a little difficult to watch, but really it does, it, it just kind of fills you with a sense of, of wonder with about these buildings. And you're really grateful for that as a viewer. Now, you obviously know he survived, yet I've heard it described as a thriller. Are, do you do you have that sense of something could go wrong? Or? Yeah, they. I mean, th it, that's another weird thing about this movie is they have to break into the World Trade Center, and this is a process. Preparing for this took years. Uh, they were literally planning this for a couple years. Uh, he they did scouting missions. At one point, he uh, he came to New York and uh, with a partner lied to the president of the, of the WTC Association and said that he was a French journalist and he gave him access to the whole building. He went up on the roof and started taking pictures and interviewing wow. construction workers. Um, they spend, they get to the top floor and spend hours hiding from security guards. I mean, it really is. If you did, I mean, you, if you didn't know the outcome, this could, this could be a straight thriller. Daniel Holloway, our movie critic, one of the highlights of our week every week. Thank you so much for joining our little team. We really appreciate it. One of the highlights of my week. All right. Thank you, guys. Dan Holloway, thanks a lot. Another friend of the show was singer-slash-blogger Jill Sobule. Now, she became our music op-ed page, sort of our Maureen Dowd with an acoustic guitar. She tackled subjects ranging from slutty Halloween costumes to primary season fatigue to a fantasy life that included Secretary of State Condoleezza Rice. Yeah, that one made our jaws drop, too, which is why we want to play it again. There's a little bit of some news that's been on your mind. It's... You know, you don't have to go too in depth about it, but it's been it's been something you felt like you needed to sing about a little bit. Well, I just feel like since the Spitzer case and the, the Kristen who made lots of money on her MySpace page that I I could have done the same thing because I I've had a celebrity in my past, mm. but uh and and maybe maybe I should have <laughs> told, but here here's it's a hard song for me to sing because, you know, it's very emotional. At first it was exciting to play the cloak and dagger To sneak into a taxi back to your Georgetown condo And there you'd play piano in your red stilettos You'd put me in a trance, take off the pantsuit pants Condoleezza I'll keep a secret Won't sing your last name Though it would help me sell a lot of records <laughs> Increase the traffic on my space I'll keep a secret 
Lisa, I really do miss your sweet kiss. And in bed, talking Soviet politics. But you should have taken my advice on the war and left that no good man you're working for. Come, the Lisa. I, I really can't go on. The inimitable Jill Sobule, friend of the Bryant Park Project, giving a peek, us a peek into her always entertaining mind. Big thanks to Jill for all her work on the show. Coming up on the big show, we've reached the fifth stage of grief, acceptance. We'll mash it up with the best song in the world today. You don't want to miss what's coming next. This is the Bryant Park Project from NPR News. Welcome back to the Bryant Park Project from NPR News. You were able to find us on digital, FM, Sirius Satellite Radio, and online at npr.org slash bryantpark. For now, anyway, I'm Allison Stewart. The time has come. The end is here. Our last show of the Bryant Park Project. And during the course of the week, we've been trying to work through our emotions and help our very faithful audience work through how they feel about not having any new Bryant Park Project programs to listen to. We decided to just wander through the five stages of grief. We've been doing it all week. We started with denial. We moved on to anger. Then we went to bargaining. Yesterday was depression. Today we come to the final stage, which is acceptance. In our studio is BPP editor and my friend, I'm going to say, Tricia McKinney. Hi, I accept that. Hi. <laughs> uh, so, Allison, being an editor type, uh, before I embarked on what I was going to do with this, I looked up Elizabeth Kubler-Ross's Five Stages of Grief, just looked up some more information, and I found out that she originally described those five stages not in relationship to death, but actually as a response to hearing catastrophic news. So that actually made me feel better about the series we're doing because, you know, as catastrophic as this news has been for us who work here, I don't want anyone to think we've lost all sense of perspective. <laughs> we are all alive. We remain healthy. We can always get a job somewhere else. And that brings me to the final of the five stages, acceptance, and the best song in the world today. Every time that I think of you for a while That's the one thing you always do You always smile, smile, smile 
So that's Smile, Smile, Smile by Dan Zanes. And when Laura, Laura Conway, our web editor, proposed doing the series of the five stages of grief, I immediately knew this was my acceptance song. Partly because the first time I ever heard this song, I thought, that is a great song to play at a funeral. Which, you know, those who know me know, would, would probably not be surprised to know. I imagine funerals <laughs> yes. a lot. I actually really do. It's awful. I won't tell you whose funeral went through my mind when I heard this song because it's seriously twisted. But, okay, so why is this a good funeral song? Because it's about happiness. And what we all want to believe when a person dies is that their life had a point and that it mattered that they existed, and we want to remember what we loved about them. Everyone around you starts singing along We smile, smile, smile Like ripples in a pond Or runners that pass the baton This song captures everything I love about the BPP. And more importantly, about all the people who've worked so hard to make it what it was. And I think, I think we felt, expressed, and created something rare. I call it joy. I think that's what was kind of at the heart of this experience. I knew I wasn't going to get through this like a funeral. So anyway, that's my best song in the world today. On the last... On the last day of the Bryant Park Project. And I want to dedicate it to the people who made me happy. You're my friend. You're not supposed to make me cry. (laughs) (laughs) I totally didn't think I was going to do that. Some friend you are. <laughs> Every time that I think of you, I smile for a while. And that's the one thing you always do. You always smile, smile, smile. Acting out stories and hugging your friends. Smile for a while. Know what I'll do when I see you again. I'm gonna smile, smile, smile. Like ripples in a pond. The runners that pass the baton.
the final stage of grief, the best song in the world today. Normally I'm in the studio by myself for most of the show, but a crowd has assembled. <laughs> 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16 folks are in the studio. Matt Martinez on the mic. Hi. How Hi. are you? Hanging in there. Yeah. Um, I, I actually scheduled this uh, last 10 minutes of the show to do nothing um, but say goodbye. And... Um, oh gosh. Oh, so now he chokes up and leaves me with 10 minutes of air. I'm learning who you people are in the last. <laughs> um, you know, Bill Wolf is here. Bill Wolf is here with us. Um, Bill Wolf hosted our show many, many days. And, um, and I want to thank Bill for coming. Uh, to, and keeping to talk your host today. sane. And keeping the host sane. Driving my host insane. Yes. Uh, it was my pleasure. And as I understand it, I know there's a quite a heavy heart going around here, but. Aren't there cocktails later downtown? There are cocktails. All right, so this, the, the sixth stage of grief is booze. So I'll be yes. there. And Bill was part of the show every every day. People don't know this, but he was our announcer. Yes. He came in during the pilot. Could you do it one more time? Uh, this is the Brian Park Project from NPR News. They should this is the Brian Park Pro- Project <laughs> with Allison Stewart from NPR News. You know, when we first, when we first started the show, uh, you came in and... I think you did that for 35 minutes. You actually, you just did that for 35 minutes. I actually still have that in I'm, my. I was listening to it the other. I'm day. a real perfectionist. Yes, yes. We're gonna, we're gonna. Someone's gonna sample that in a hip hop tune. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not gonna get a dime for it. We're gonna be legends. Yeah, legendary. But I was thinking about one of our first times. It was you, me, mm-hmm. Luke, and Pashman yeah. in a restaurant in Chinatown in Washington, way back. And we thought, I thought. They're gonna let us do a show. Yeah, we were just—we couldn't quite figure out what to have for lunch. They had actually much less <laughs> develop a million-dollar show. Yeah, they pretty much put us in the basement at NPR <laughs> in DC in this little back room. There were things hanging off the walls, you know, holes in the walls. If you looked across out the window, it was across the street. It was a brothel. There's a brothel across the street. That's the, the room. Street, that's right. the office we got. Exactly. <laughs> so, you know, this—you know—for for folks who don't know, I mean, the Bryant Park Project started. A long, long time ago. I mean, it, we, we just debuted nine months ago, but we, we started um, years ago. You know, I got a call from Margaret Lowe Smith one day, and she asked me to, you know, do you want to try doing a morning show? And I was like, sure, what the heck? And, and I, I did a 45-minute pilot, thought nothing would come of it. And uh, I heard cup- that pilot. Yeah, it's pretty good, wasn't it? Yeah. 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 No, I'm not bad. <laughs> yeah. I'm not a bad producer at all. Um, so, so I mean, it, it's been a long time coming. It's been 
amazing to work on this show and probably with the best staff I've ever worked with. And and that's saying a lot, you guys, to all of you. Um, the best staff in showbiz. I'm, I'm not kidding. We're in um, showbiz? Yeah, we're in showbiz. <laughs> oh. Not anymore, not actually. <laughs> yeah. Sharon, Hoffman, Sharon Hoffman at the mic. Hi, Sharon. Hey. It's like I'm a DJ. No. <laughs> feel great. Does anybody have anything to say? We have like seven minutes to go. Um, I, I just, you know, wanted to, to use this time as 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 a thank you and a, and a goodbye to all of the folks who um, uh, tuned into us, who blogged, who left comments, who just let us into their lives every day because that's a big thing to, to let somebody into your life and, and to become a friend to people who we've never met is just this amazing thing and this amazing feeling and knowing that somebody out there cares about us and, and we've, we've never seen their face before is just an astonishing thing. It really is. And you all did that. Everybody standing in this room, all 15, 16 of you, you know, it, it's been an amazing, amazing ride. And big parts of lives have changed. Dan got married during the course of the show. Yeah. People moved. Yeah. <laughs> You had a I baby. Had a kid. Yes, yes. <laughs> Just some things happened along the way. I mean, Ike, we shared our lives with each other, which was really yeah. Great. Ike Wolf has listened to every single one of our shows. <laughs> you know, he's I think the only person who's listened to every single one of our shows. So we want to thank Ike. Yeah. Anybody want to step up? I, can, I, I will say I, uh, I I'm going to second uh, Matt's assertion that this is the finest staff that I certainly have ever worked with. And I, I suspect we will go on in history to find that this will be the best staff that we all will ever work with. This uh, is an ensemble cast of uh, extraordinary talent and grace. And I always, um, we've talked in meetings about how the importance uh, of the fact that everything we do, we do with a purpose. Um, I, I, I was just so gratified to read in the comments that the audience has been wonderful about um, blogging and, and posting in the last two weeks um, to see that they understood that we were here with a mission that is, as uh, as much as we had fun and as much as we laugh uh, uh, that we were committed to a place where people who get jazzed about the news uh, can experience it in a way and get close to it that when our audience talks to us we listen and we talk back to them um, not only is it the case that everything we did had purpose, but everybody in this room is here for a reason. Uh, I hired <laughs> many of you, so I know that that's true specifically. I came here to work because of Allison Stewart and Matt Martinez, uh, who I recognized were... I, I, you'd be an idiot not to hitch your wagon to that ride. Um, and uh, I, I am so very proud of everybody in this room. And... Uh, it stinks to end, but uh, it's just graceful and wonderful to end on this note. Thank you. Thanks, Sharon. Thanks, Sharon. It was lovely. Dan, I, I have yeah. a breaking. Wait, can I go from the control room? I have a breaking news bulletin. Yes. This is serious, actually. Trish. Twitter's down. Uh, <laughs> I was just trying to log in to like tweet nice. something, and yeah. I can't get in. What's so. new? Oh well. Pashman, you stepped up to the mic. Yeah, I mean, I just want to back up what Sharon and Matt said. You guys are both right. We are the best staff. Uh, <laughs> 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 um, <laughs> Love fashion. No, uh, but you know, I was uh, I was away last month uh, at West in the Grand Canyon and I'm in Utah with my wife, and um, 
you know, it was like my first vacation in like a year, other than maybe a three-day weekend here or there, because we're getting the show up and getting it going, and uh, first time I had a whole week off in, in a, almost a year, so so I was pretty excited to get some rest and to, to be away from work, but like, by the time it was like Thursday of that week off and I was in the Grand Canyon, I was actually looking forward to coming back to work, and I was actually like, wow, I am excited to go back to work and see my friends there, and I have cool ideas for stories that I want to do on the show. And, um, you know, it's pretty rare that you feel that way about going back to work. And, um, you know, it's uh, I feel like all the people in this room, because they're all so talented, you guys are all so talented, um, always pushed me to try to be better at what I do and to come up with cooler, better, newer, smarter ideas because I felt like I had to keep up um, with all of your amazing talents. And, um, you know, so uh, I figured if I didn't keep up, I might lose my job. <laughs> And yeah, <laughs> then we all did. So, uh, but anyway, I just want to say thanks to everyone here for being really awesome. Did you pick this music? I, I, what about, I don't have my headphones on. What are we listening to? Uh, we're listening to Eternal Flame by the Bangles. Eternal Flame oh dear by God! The uh, I, I, did, I did not pick it, but I wish I had. Uh, this this is a this is Ian Chillout. Ian Chillout. Of course, oh, a lot, of course it is. We really yeah. wanted to end on something that sort of felt like it would be I'd the. Like uh, to say I Laura Conaway. I'd like to say that um, this has been really incredibly painful. Goodbye. But I'm already beginning to feel how wonderful it was to be a part, not just of this staff and this show, but of the community of people who gathered around this. And I probably will always file this under sad for the rest of my life, but it truly is a wonderful, wonderful joy. Trisha McKinney, you hit it exactly right, and I can't thank you guys enough for giving me a home. Well, we want to read off a list of everyone who's worked on this show to make it what it was. It's a Friends of the BPP roll call. Um... Ike Wolf. Let's start with Ike Wolf. Ike Wolf, <laughs> Eric Newsom, Jay Kernis, Margaret Lowe Smith, Andrea Seabrook, Allison Bryce, Luke Burbank, MJ Davis, Celeste Headley, Pauline Bartoloni, Ilya Meritz, Ture, Toby, Manya, Sarah Goodyear, Robert Smith, Will Hoffman, David Gura, David Falkenflick, Angel, Angela Ellis, John Fugelsang, Elsa Butler, Jeannie Barron, Nathan Duell, Bill Wolf, Rachel Martin, Corva Coleman, Josh Rogeson, Mike Pesca, and the current staff of the BPP. We are... Trisha McKinney. Manoli Weatherill. Dan Pashman. Laura Silver. Caitlin Kenny. Ian Chillog. Molly Messick. Mina Ramamurthy. Mark Garrison. Lauren Sporer. Paul Heckinger. Jacob Gans. Zaina Barakat. Sharon Hoffman. Matt Martinez. Laura Conaway. Wynne Rosenfeld. And I'm Allison Stewart. This was The Bryant Park Project from NPR News. 